Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. We have all we need in you, right? Whatever the world might glitter in the eyes of you this morning is not worth the giving up and surrendering your pursuit of God. It's only going to disappoint you. Understand, don't you? So the first stage in this distraction is Lot, his eyes were lifted up and he began to look towards Sodom and Sodom was attractive to him. It was a big city. There were lots of people. There was a lot of commotion, It seemed to him like this would be a good place to settle. Second thing Lot does is now the scripture says a few verses later that after his eyes were lifted towards Sodom that he pitches his tent with its front door facing towards Sodom. You see his heart gradually being pulled away. But you know what? That wasn't enough. Sodom was ever before him constantly calling his name because he was allowing himself to be tempted tempted with this distraction. And so no longer were his eyes just fixed towards Sodom. No longer was he just pitching his tent towards Sodom. All of a sudden, you know what happens? Lot in chapter 14 becomes a resident of Sodom. And the scripture says that he goes and he dwells in Sodom. This is a wicked place. This is no place for one of God's people. This is a place that was overrun with sensuality and gluttony and lust and wickedness and homosexuality. It was a terrible place for one of God's people to dwell. But his heart was being captivated by the things of the world. So much so that by the time you read about Lot in chapter 19 of Genesis. Now Lot has become a full-fledged member of this city. He was a resident of the city and he's sitting at the city gate, which means he's one of the leaders of this city. Why? Why did he stop pursuing God? Why did he stop going in the direction of the land of promise? Because his heart became distracted. And finally we read in Genesis chapter 19 that when the angels of the Lord come and they declare that Sodom is going to be judged because of their wickedness, the scripture says that Lot lingered in Sodom. He just couldn't bring himself to leave this city that had captivated his heart. He was distracted from the things of the Lord because the things of the world were more desirable to him. Again, I ask you this question. Is this maybe why your spiritual walk with Christ, your run, is not going so well? You know, maybe you're deceived and you think you can do it on your own and you don't need God. Or maybe the things of the world have captivated your attention and have led you astray and you're not running the race like you should be running the race today. So some people, they're deceived. Some people are distracted. Maybe you fall into this next category where you've become discouraged. You've become discouraged. For this, we're going to look at the story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah has this amazing spiritual victory. He gains victory over the prophets of Baal. And and for years, months, it hasn't rained. Why? Because Elijah withheld the rain. God withheld the rain from this region, right? And so Elijah goes before the prophets of Baal. And he says, you want it to rain? I know I can make it rain. Why don't we do this? Let's see who's really following after God. Let's see whose God is stronger. You build an altar and you sacrifice a bull on the altar, and you call out to your God to come and to consume that 
sacrifice and I'll do the same and we'll see whose God answers with fire. And so the 450 prophets of Baal, they build a little altar and they slay their animal and they lay it out and they're running about, crying about. The scripture says they're cutting themselves. They're bleeding. They're trying to wake their God, trying to get his attention. Elijah says, maybe your God's sleeping or maybe he's gone on a trip. Maybe you need to yell a little louder, right? And about evening time, Elijah says, okay, it's time. And he repairs the altar of the Lord that had been broken down because the people's hearts had wandered from God. And he slays the sacrifice and he lays it down there on the altar. And he says, I want you to fill four jars filled with water and I want you to pour it on my altar. And they pour out that water on the altar. He says, that's not enough, do it again. So here's four more jars being poured out on that altar. And he says, you know what, I'm not sure that God will get the glory just yet. I want you to pour four more jars out on that altar. So this altar is drenched, it's muddy with water. And remember, fire needs to come and consume that. And so this is what Elijah says. He says this, he says, so that these people who are listening, so that they would know that you are the Lord, our God, will you consume my offering and fire falls from heaven and licks up all the water and consumes the the offering and everyone sees that it's Elijah's God who answers prayer. He has this amazing spiritual high but then he hears that the king and his wife, the, the Jezebel, that they want to pursue Elijah, they want to kill Elijah because Elijah just made a fool of their religion, just made a fool of their prophets and actually slayed the 450 prophets of Baal. And so Elijah runs in fear and cowers. And the scripture says that he goes so far that he's found in a cave by himself. And there in the cave, the Lord comes looking for Elijah who has run away from God's call. And the scripture says that the the word the Lord has for Elijah says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Why are you in this place? What has brought you to this place? This isn't what I've called you to. This isn't where you should be. You're off path. You've fled from the presence of God. You fled from my will just because you had a little bit of fear after you saw me move so miraculously in your life. Should have left absolutely no doubt that I can do what I say I can do. And here you are cowering, hiding in this cave all by yourself. What happened to you, Elijah? Would that be the word the Lord would speak to you today? Have you become discouraged in your walk because things used to be really going well for you and maybe some circumstances in life and just things happen and you feel like, God, you used to move in my life, but now here I am, I'm in this cave all by myself and and there's no purpose for me being here. The scripture actually says, Elijah said, I just wish I could die because this is so terrible of a weight. Is that where you're at this morning? Have you allowed your circumstances To take your eyes off of the Lord in the race that you're being called to run? Because let me tell you this. Let me remind you of the circumstances that Jesus persisted through for you. He chased you to a cross. Those are dire circumstances. Is there anything that you are not able to run Is there anything that you're not able to endure today on his behalf? Because do not grow discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Don't let your circumstances allow the enemy to pull your eyes off of God's goodness. Fix your eyes upon the Lord and run towards him today. Amen? Amen. So some, yes. So some are discouraged. Some have been deceived. 
Some have been distracted. I have a couple verses I want to read to you out of Luke. Luke chapter 8, verse 14 says this. It is, for what fell amongst the thorns, Jesus is teaching on the parable of the soils. Those, that, that seed which fell amongst the thorns, they were those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life, and their fruit does not mature. Maybe that's you today. You're not bearing fruit because the cares of this life are choking them out. Listen to this. Luke chapter 21, Jesus says this. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. You become heavy with dissipation or, or drunkenness or partying and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap or like a thief. Have you been distracted by your circumstances, by the world, by the lies of the enemy? Be careful. Be careful. Now, there's another way I'd like for you to consider that maybe you've gotten off course. And for this, we need to turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 15. You have the deceived, you have the distracted. You have the discouraged. And now we're going to look at the disgraced. Read with me. We're going to read this whole text in Luke 15 together. And we're going to see God's heart for you. It's one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. And I hope that after we read this together, it will be yours as well. Luke 15, 1. It says, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. The tax collectors and the sinners, these were the worst of the worst. This was the dregs of society. These were the people that no good religious person would ever want to be involved with. These were the people that really no one wanted fellowship with. They wouldn't be welcomed into the assembly, right? They wouldn't be welcomed into fellowship. You wouldn't want to break bread with these people, right? The worst of the worst, the traitors turning their back against their culture, against their people, and against their religion. But here the scripture says that it was the tax collectors and the sinners that were drawing near to Jesus to hear what he had to say. Now, do you think for a second that Jesus was not faithful to the truth of God's word? Absolutely not, right? He was always faithful to the truth of God's word, but there was something in the way that he delivered truth that was attractive to the tax collector and the sinner. Somehow, some way, their hearts were pricked. Their hearts wanted to hear more. They were interested. They were curious. They wanted to hear more about this message of grace. Remember, Jesus, when he went town to town, what did he preach? Repent. Turn from your sin because the kingdom of God is at hand. And even though his message was to repent, sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and those outcasts of society gathered around him because he spoke the truth with grace. This is what it says in John 1.14. The word, speaking of Jesus, became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father. Full of grace and truth. There are a lot of people who love to preach the truth, but there's no grace in their message. You know what that does? It just slaps somebody in the face. Right? Sometimes maybe people need to be slapped in the face. But Jesus always utilized Grace, full of grace and truth. There's a lot of churches that are full of grace and no truth. That's just sending people straight to hell. You understand that, don't you? Jesus says that he was our example. He was full of both grace and truth. 
We have to have a balance of both in order to effectively reach the lost with the gospel. And so these tax collectors and the sinners, they gather around, their hearts are pricked, they want to hear more. And in the midst of this, the scribes, which were the lawyers of the day, the ones who studied God's law and even transcribed the law and wrote commentaries about the law, and the Pharisees, those were the most strict religious people of the day who made sure that they kept all of over 600 laws throughout the Old Testament, right? They kept them all. They washed their hands perfectly. They kept all of the dietary restrictions. They celebrated all of the Hebrew feasts. And so all of these people, right, they were lost in their religion. So if you're taking notes, I want you to see this. In this category of these disgraced people, the first one is there's the religious people. And maybe you've fallen into that trap today. That you're one of those religious people who forgets that everyone needs to start somewhere. Right? And what were these religious people doing? The scribes and the Pharisees, they were despising the fact that Jesus was welcoming sinners into grace. Right? You realize Jesus said that I came not for the, the righteous, I came to call the sinner to repentance. Those of you who think you have it all figured out, those of you who think you don't really need the grace of God, you keep doing what you're doing. Eventually you'll see you need me. But he says, I'm here, and the message that I have is for the lost sheep of Israel, those who've wandered astray, those who know they need the grace and mercy and help of God. I'm speaking to you right now, he says. Right? And so for you, are you in that place where you've become disgraced? You've fallen off your race because in the midst of the years of walking with the Lord, you've become religious and you've forgotten that you needed grace at one point as well. The religious person. So how can this guy, how can Jesus welcome, the, the word to receive there, it means to invite as a guest. How can he host these people? How can he invite these people as guests? Doesn't he know what kind of people these are? Yet he receives sinners and he even shares a meal. He breaks bread with them. This can't be the Messiah we've been waiting for. He's too comfortable around these sinners. And so in the midst of this, Jesus has a message. And I want you to understand this at its core, this parable this teaching that Jesus teaches here in Luke 15, it's directed to the religious person. It's directed to that person who thinks they don't really need the Lord anymore. The scripture says he shared a parable with them. The word parable, it's a compound word in the Greek from para and bole. And para means with or alongside of, and bole means to cast or to throw. So this is a short story that is cast alongside of a deeper spiritual truth. And this is one story in three parts that Jesus is now going to share with the religious people. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 4. And as we read this, I want you to see here, here's another reason why people wander from the goodness of the Lord and, and stop running the race as they should, is not because they're religious in this sense, but because they're foolish. They're foolish. If you're taking notes, write that down, foolish. Look at verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that has been lost. Now, open country, understand that doesn't mean that they're just neglected. Out in the open fields, there would be makeshift corrals or pens where the shepherds would bring their sheep at the end of the day and they would be held there with a group of shepherds and the sheep would be accounted for and cared for. 
So Jesus says, if you lose one sheep, which of you men who are shepherds wouldn't bring your sheep in to the pen where they're safe and they're protected and you would make sure that those 99 sheep are being cared for and you'd go and you'd pursue the one sheep that has gone astray. Look at what happens here. Verse five, and when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Now, what the shepherds would do in those days, if a sheep was making it a habit of wandering astray from the goodness of the shepherd's care, eventually that shepherd would have no choice but to take his club or his rod that he carried with him and he would break the leg of that sheep that continued to wander astray. Why would the shepherd do this? Because the shepherd understands that it's better for this sheep to have a broken leg and to be in my presence than it is for this sheep to be whole and out wandering and to be eaten by predators. But it doesn't stop there. What the shepherd would do is the shepherd would bend down, would take up that sheep and would lay the sheep over his shoulders. And the shepherd would literally carry that sheep from pasture to pasture on his own shoulders so that that sheep would become accustomed to the voice and the song of the shepherd. And as the sheep would become accustomed to the voice and the song of the shepherd, that leg would be healing. And by the time that leg was healed, the sheep would be so in love and so connected to and so accustomed to the voice and the song of the shepherd that when the shepherd lays that sheep back down, that sheep would have no desire at all to ever leave the presence of the shepherd. He lays the sheep on his shoulders so that he would become acquainted and intimate with the voice of God again. This morning, you might be kicking and screaming and frustrated because you don't understand why you're going through the hardship that you're going through. And what God is speaking to you today is I've broken your leg so I can carry you. So that you can hear my voice again. So that you don't put yourself at risk in a world of predators and you stay at the shepherd's side. Right? So this is an amazing truth. So this is what he does. Now this brings a whole new light, doesn't it? To verses like in Psalm chapter 23 where David would write this incredible psalm. The shepherd's psalm. Look at this. Even though, verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod, the rod that breaks the legs of the sheep, and your staff, they are a comfort to me. Because I know that if I get off course or if I stop running the race, in your love and in your grace, you'll break my leg and put me back on your shoulders. You'll carry me to where I need to go. Isn't that amazing? Now listen to this verse, Psalm chapter 51. This is David when he's struggling with the guilt of his sin with Bathsheba and he's, he's slain Uriah. He's a murderer and, and a liar and an adulterer and the weight of that sin is upon him. He says this, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. See, David knows this. He was a shepherd himself. And he says, Lord, you've broken my leg because I wandered from your path. But Lord, that bone that you've broken is going to rejoice again one day because you're carrying me now. In the midst of my guilt and in the midst of my heartache, Lord, you are carrying me now. This is why Jesus says in John chapter 10, he says, to him, the gatekeeper opens 
the sheep. He's talking about the good shepherd. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought them out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Do you know the voice of your shepherd this morning? Because he wants to keep you on path. He wants to keep you in the race. So maybe you've wandered from the Lord because you're foolish. And maybe right now you're suffering some hardship. Just know God is working in your life. Don't lose hope. Right? He's put you on his shoulders. Let him carry you to where you need to be till the leg has been healed. And till you hear and recognize the voice of God speaking to you in your life. Let's finish this up. Look at verse 6. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now look at this, verse 8. Maybe you've wandered from the Lord. Maybe you've run in the opposite direction, not because you have grown foolish, but because you've grown careless. Look at what happens here, verse 8. Same parable, second part of the parable. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me. For I found the one coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. What is this? This woman, she would be given a, a band that she would put around her head, and it would have 10 silver coins upon this band. This was the only money that was considered the woman's money. When she came into a marriage, this was all that she owned. The husband owned everything else except for this silver band that she would wear around her head that was a symbol that she was taken in marriage, that she was not available, that she belonged to someone else. And so she loses one of the coins, all that really she can consider her own in life. She loses a coin. It would be like you ladies maybe losing a diamond out of your wedding ring. And she's frantic over this situation. And so she lights her lamp, which would speak of the word of God. But look at this. Then it says she sweeps the entire house looking desperately for this one coin. Sweeping the entire house house. She was careless. She lost something valuable to her. She lost what was important to her. She lost that thing in life which spoke that she belonged to another. And she wasn't going to rest until she found what she had lost. Now, how beautiful is this? How beautiful is this is that God rejoices over you like that woman who finds that diamond when she's lost it. Have you been careless though in your life? Have you become lax in your spiritual disciplines? Have you allowed the important things to be cast aside? This woman, she does what she can. She sweeps the room till she finds that coin. Listen to what it says in Psalm 139. It says, oh Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. You know when I sit down, you know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path, my lying down, and you are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. Light the lamp in my life, Lord. Sweep the floor of my heart. Find anything that is there that might not belong there, Lord, so that I confess that thing to you. I don't want anything in my life to keep me separated from you. Have you given the Holy Spirit 
access in your life to come in and to sweep the floors clean to find what has been lost. Because you can do that today. Maybe you've been careless. Maybe you've lost that which is the most valuable to you. You've lost that fire and that fervency. Well, here's the hope for you is that you can invite that Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that the psalmist writes about there in Psalm 139. Come, Lord, and search me and try me and know me and show me what is there. God will do that if you pray that in sincerity this morning. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.